Welcome to the Jane Bond Show, from execution to excellence. And I am your host, Jane Bond, the serial entrepreneur who will be sharing with you valuable life lessons and interviewing influencers from around the country who are breaking through to success, along with giving you advice on navigating through the game. Today, our topic is Marketing Maven. Our special guest takes us through her trials and tribulations of heartbreak, infidelity, and abuse. Listen how she opens up and share with us how she came through the fire and became the superwoman she is today. This Marketing Maven teaches entrepreneurs and everyday people how to put systems in place to grow and sustain profitable businesses on a daily basis. She has also become a leader in her field, which has a Afforded her the opportunity to travel around the country and get on stages and share a wealth of knowledge with people. She is truly an inspiration to us. We applaud her because her crown is definitely fit for a beautiful queen. Our special guest, without any further ado, Miss Ashley Ann Jones. Got you, Miss Ashley Ann. <laughs> <laughs> It's been a time, but it's okay. (laughs) Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much. Oh, it's okay. We both have patience, right? (laughs) Yes, we do. (laughs) Most great business women do. That's right. And if Mm -hmm. you don't have patience, you never know what's going to come. So why don't we dive right in? And, you know, I just wanted to say this to you. Um, I want you to give us a little backstory on growing up in Arkansas. But before that, I want to tell you, you're the first person I have ever met from Arkansas. (laughs) I'm so honored to be your first. You have no idea. (laughs) Oh, thank you. (laughs) We're we're cool down here in Arkansas. Now, Arkansas, so I, I... appreciate you for learning how to pronounce Arkansas. That's what most people call it that have never been here or never even known where it is on the map. They go, oh, you're from Arkansas. And I'm like, no, I'm from Arkansas. <laughs> um, did, but was- did you tell them Dorothy doesn't live there? <laughs> right. I'm like, technically, it makes me wonder if they're pronouncing Kansas wrong because there are lots of Native Americans that settled inside of this area in the United States, of course. So um, it makes me wonder sometimes if Kansas is really pronounced, you know, Kansas instead of Kansas because they're spelled. Oh. You know, so um, like right now, for instance, I live, you know, in Little Rock. And then if you look on the map, though, where however many years ago it was called Big Rock because like literally I guess it was like a meetup and there's this big, huge rock, you know, by, that the river runs down through. So um, anyway, it's interesting. So there are lots of people who live in the state of Arkansas who still, you know, have pretty strong Native American roots that they can trace back. And my grandfather was actually Blackfoot Indian. So, yeah. So fun. That's interesting. My mother is Blackfoot Indian and they came from Virginia, her parents. And um, yeah, I remember her sharing with me that her father was Blackfoot Indian. That is a small world. That is very interesting. Mm-hmm. Very interesting because I have not gotten to meet a lot of people who are Blackfoot Indian either. Uh-huh. You so, never know. You never know. My word. <laughs> <laughs> so tell cool. us a little bit. Of, I know. I know. 
So tell us a little bit about growing up in Arkansas. Um, so growing up in Arkansas was interesting. It's fun. Um, it's beautiful here. We have all kinds of walking trails and rivers and lakes. And um, because we have so much farmland, we have a ton of fresh produce here. And I actually grew up in the country, like country, country, like no street lights, no sidewalk, <laughs> go outside, till, hoe, plow, you know, rotate the rotate the crops with like full-blown garden, the whole shebang. Um, so we spent, my mama's number seven out of 10. And so um, like, I think like most people in America, you know, your grandparents play a big role in helping to raise you up. So when um, my parents were at work, my dad's um, Green Beret, he was in the military. And so my mom worked um, as a nutritionist in the school district. And so anyways, you know, you get out of school and everybody would be at the grandparents' house. And all summer we'd be at our grandparents' house. So That's we'd right. all be outside, you know, running around and playing games and getting into shenanigans and using our imaginations after, you know, we finished the activities. Um, so because my grandma and papa they had chickens and hogs and um, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. we, had all, we had all that good stuff. So I grew up country, country, but it's good because I feel like compared to my peers, I think I have a much stronger work ethic than them because they're always asking me, you know, about how I can power through and get things done. And I also think when you grow up in a small place and when you grow up in the country, it teaches you how to be extremely resourceful, right? Because you can't afford to, um, you can't afford to misstep or you can't afford to waste things. And even like a trip to the store, you know, you have to be mindful and make your list because we went to town once a week, you know, and then we ride up into town and go to the grocery stores and stuff up there. And then you come back to the country. So I think um, just kind of the way that I do things and how hard I'm willing to work and being regimented and having a schedule. Um, I think those were all great things about being brought up here. I also think it was good to be in Arkansas. Um, it makes you a little bit more mindful of dealing with some people and what some people think of you. Um, because here, because you're in the South, like all my friends that are from the coast and up North, um, racism is very institutionalized, right? Um, okay. And it's a bit covert. And so here in the South, it's institutionalized, but it's also very overt. You know, they have statues up of racists around and it's just kind of like normal. And sometimes people will remind you that they think less of you or feel like you should be subservient to them because of the color of your skin. So, you know, if it, it's the ideology is here and they're a little bit more, uh, I guess, free <laughs> or open about it. So even like in college, you know, I had someone and it's not like it, you think I'm ancient from telling this story. But even in college, you know, on a group project, I had a I had a girl call me a nigger bitch, you know, a white girl call me a nigger bitch. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. So it's so you learn to be confident in yourself. Right. And then there's that thing with that in you, I will succeed and I will exceed. And it doesn't matter um, if someone is trying to oppress me. I'm still going to get out here and, and do the dang thing. Right. And then you have the, the contrast of because you're in the South and because you grew up in a smaller community, you know, you're very close to your family. You get to be become very resourceful. 
Um, we have, I feel like I maybe have like closer relationships with my family than some of my other peers that I've met that come from bigger places and things like that. And so they always are really envious and they're like, I want to be a part of your family. You know, everybody wants us mm-hmm. to adopt um, so, and I think it's because of what you're dealing with, you know, on the outside, it kind of forces us to maybe have to work together more than others or something. But um, overall, I had a very good life. You know, my mom and dad have been made 36 years. I had a lot of fun, a bunch of good memories growing up as a child. But then there was also that thing that was over there and you knew, you know, how to fight and how to stand up for yourself. And, you know, we were very aware um, of, you know, how how to handle ourselves and how to make sure that you make it back home. So like a lot of the things that people are seeing in the news now with the brutality and police abusing their power, you know, against black people and things like that. For me, it's not shocking because that's just something that I've grown up and known how to deal with. And I think for the rest of um, the world or definitely for a large part of Americans, all of these things that have um, been have been recorded now over the past few years are kind of you know shocking to them. But for me, it's like it's just another day. So what you gonna do about it? Okay, right. good. So what are you gonna do about it? So it's, it's interesting. I think it gives me a very interesting perspective. Um, Absolutely. From a small place. You know, it's interesting that um, we're having this conversation because you, at the same time, I'm playing the records back in my head from when um, I used to travel down south every summer. And I came from a large family also, and my family, my, my parents would ship me and my two sisters and sometimes my brother down south to be with my grandparents so we could see them you know, every year. And I would spend the summer there with my cousins and all. And I recall going through some of those same situations and um, not myself, but them sharing with me stories that I was just kind of taken aback by because I was from the North and I never really dealt with it face to face. So I, I definitely get what you're saying. And I, re- I remember seeing things down South while I was there and I wasn't, you know, that far down into South. I was in Virginia, which is very close to, you know, Maryland. Um, when you think about it, it's not yeah. that far deep in the South, but I do recall because it was in the seventies you know, that we were down there and we would go down on a Greyhound bus and we would have name tags on and we would go down for the summer for many summers. So yes, I do understand what you're saying and I do remember certain things happening. So, wow. Yeah. You took me back there for a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Right. You took me right there. Yeah, but it's different, you know, when you deal with it on a daily basis. Deal, yes, um, of course. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, but I mean, all of us still deal with it, though, right? Um, because, like I said, it's just whenever you get to larger cities, and when you get up north, it's just more. Um, and on the coast, you know, it's just more institutionalized. So right. people sometimes don't realize it, you know, that it's coming out, you know, and zoning or in lines or the way the school districts are set up or harsher sentencing and laws and things like that right um here you get all of it and you get somebody in your face that'll call you a moon cricket or something crazy like that and you're like okay i've never heard that before (laughs) my god they come come up with some stuff let me tell you (laughs) i do remember a teacher telling me i should switch gears at one time and i went home and i told my mom and dad they were like what does she mean you should switch gears And I said, well, she said that, you know, I wasn't qualified to go into that field. And of course I did and excelled in it and did really well in it. But I remember having that said to me at one time. 
I know the audacity of people, right? Exactly. But, you know, I had a conversation with um, someone else the other day and I said to them, that just puts, you know, um, energy in us and motivates us even more to just excel better than they do. (laughs) So, you know, that that's what happens. You know, we get that power some somewhere deep down inside. We just think, okay, watch us work. (laughs) That part. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) You think you're agitated now? Look how much you're going to be agitated when you see me succeed. Exactly. And then once you see me supersede you. <laughs> it's exactly. Amazing. I know it's a little petty, but I'm not going to lie. It, it does excite me to be able to, to be able to surpass people, you know, that told me I couldn't do things or that shed a lot of doubt on me or felt like, you know, um, that felt these sorts of types of things, you know, in their minds about you. And then, like I said, the audacity for them to verbalize it or say it. I'm not going to lie, girl. It does put a big smile on your face when you see them later. And you're like, oh, you're like, well, <laughs> I guess I guess <laughs> your start to the wrong wagon, didn't you? Exactly. Um, <laughs> you might as well unhitch yourself now. <laughs> so it's a little petty, but I'm not going to lie. I get, a, I get a bit of satisfaction out of, you know, out of winning in that aspect. <laughs> so do you think... Um... Growing up in the household where your dad was a Green Beret gave you a lot of, um, of your foundation with, uh, you know, excelling in life and, and, and being uh, a person that executes everything that they put their mind to? Um, I definitely think it had to play some type of part, especially with um, discipline and structure, like being able to put together a plan and execute on the plan. Um, and being able to think about different possible outcomes so you can prepare. Um, I definitely think my dad probably implanted a bit of a strategic mindset inside of me as well. Um, so yeah, I, I do think that now that I, I've never really thought about it, but that probably does have a lot to do with how, um, how, how I'm comfortable, you know, kind of being in an execution mode and I don't really get too stuck, you know, into the, into the thought or the dream stage, you know, it's like, okay, I think it, let's make a plan, move on it. Um, so I definitely think that that helps. I know for a fact, as far as being structured, um, and putting things in perspective, you know, there'd be times, you know, I may want to cry about something that's really petty or really silly, silly. And my daddy would be like, fix your face. You know, what are you tuning up about? <laughs> right. Fix your face. <laughs> like there's nothing for you to be upset about he's like you think this is pressure it's not pressure you know and then he'd share a story about you know when you go inside of a certain chamber or you found a room or a cave and the guy who was the lowest on the totem pole the lowest rank had to take off his mask first because he you have to see if it's safe you know um for people to breathe the air in the room you know he's like that's pressure and you're like oh my god that is pressure why am i crying you know <laughs> i need to yeah up. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so definitely, I guess, being aware that situations can always be worse. Um, things can always be more difficult. And so you be thankful for what you have right now and you make the best out of this, you know, because it's really not that bad. Um, definitely a lot of that mindset is there, too. And I can definitely say for sure that came from my daddy. Um, and then also because most people who travel, you know, you're open to other people and thoughts and ideas and just the way things are done. So he really, I think he really helped us be able to expand beyond our region. 
and a lot of people, um, not just in Arkansas, just people in general, you know, a lot of them never really travel more than two hours outside of wherever they're born or wherever they grow up at. Um, so, this is true. so it's more difficult, right, to be influenced and have open mind and um, being open to other identities and cultures and ways of lives, life and things like that. Um, that was a big thing. Him and my mom were really good at that sort of type of thing. And then putting that in us um, so that we want to travel and we want to see the world and we want to go different places and experience different things. So, yeah, so I definitely, definitely believe him and his background had a lot to do with that and him just wanting his children to do better than him. He always would tell me that, you know, I just want you and your sister to do better than my mom and I. That was always their goal for us. Fantastic. So what was your first job out of college? <laughs> or were you always an entrepreneur? <laughs> no, no. At first you said first job before you finished out of college. I was thinking about my first, first job when I, <laughs> and I was like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> um, out of college, my first job, I worked for a nonprofit company called um, Winrock. That okay. was my first job. I, I, I had started um, side hustling with my events and stuff while I was in college. I had not quite connected the dots yet that I could just do it full time as a career and be able to support myself. You know, I was doing a little dabbling. So you do a little something here, a little something there. And I was right. like, okay, I need to get a regular job. And I worked for this nonprofit company called Winrock. Um, and the work was fulfilling. I learned a lot about uh, corporate co culture while I was there. But at the end of the day, when you work at nonprofits, you don't really make enough to pay your bills. And I, I've always, um, I guess some people would describe it as grand, but I've always had this certain lifestyle that I always saw myself living. Like, I don't know where it came from and why, you know, <laughs> why I thought these things that I was going to travel and live in a nice house and, you know, have my pick and choose or whatever car I want to drive. And I, it just was always there. And it wasn't just me, like even other kids, you know, they write stuff in your yearbooks. Every yes. that wrote in my yearbook, they were like, I know one day you're going to be a CEO or you're going to be, you know, a CFO of a major company or you're going to be successful. Even the guy that I dated in high school, he was like, he was like, you know, I can see you running, you know, a major corporation and having a corner office. So whatever that was that was in me as far as like um, working and executing and, you know, running stuff like even other kids my age when I was a kid could see that in me. So I'm not really sure what that was. So work, I knew working at the nonprofit company was not going to cut it for me. Yeah, it sounds like you were a diamond and then you were shining before you knew it. The work was fulfilling, but the paycheck was not. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember sitting down one day, I was sitting at the desk and I was, you know how you work out your little expenses and your budget and stuff. Yeah. And I just like oh my god I was like if I work here I'm gonna be stuck in this apartment forever I'm gonna be driving this car forever I'm gonna you know I just started mapping out and I was like this this is not gonna afford me to live the lifestyle that I want to live and um, <laughs> and you said I, this route was not the one I was taking <laughs> this is not the one for me and so then I think that lit a little bit more fire under my butt right to um that put a little bit more of a fire under my butt 
to uh, really work on trying to like do my own thing and build some more clientele and, you know, get, get additional funds and stuff like that. It still wasn't fully formed in my brain at that point yet though. Like I was going to go full fledged into entrepreneurship, but it was definitely pushing me, you know, towards it for sure, for sure. So how did you get into event design and production? Okay. So, uh, (laughs) so you touched on it a little bit. Yeah, so my bachelor's degree is in finance, believe it or not, <laughs> and I have okay. a master's degree um, in business, um, but yet I am an event person, right, an event designer, um, but it's, it's all full circle, it all rolls back around, right, to work with one another, so I've always been naturally gifted in arts and aesthetics and creative things, and my mom is too, my mama is an amazing designer. Um, My grandma was really good at it. A lot of my cousins are really good at it. And so even when I was a young kid, like I would do, um, I would, you know, do pictures and instead of painting, my mom would let me use her eyeshadows to like do stuff. She'd let me cover my, cover my walls in my bedroom with uh, like brown paper bags. And I could like basically draw murals. I didn't know it was a mural at the time, but that's what I'd be doing across the whole entire wall. She just (laughs) just let me express you know myself in that way she always encouraged it and I would win all these competitions and stuff and so and then I would hang out with her when she was decorating or designing and then she ran a boutique at one point in time I was just kind of always there like a little right-hand man or whatever (laughs) Um, and so my mom was always the person in the family if there was some type of party a baby shower um, you know, a celebration for a graduation or promotion or something. My mom just did it. You know, she was good at setting it up and putting the food together and building the tables and doing the cute decor. And I would help her do all the decorating and stuff. And so then as I got older, it would be my mom and I doing things. Right. And then, um, all of the all of the kids, we all started getting older, you know, to the point where we we're getting like apartments and going to college and stuff like that. So then among my cousins, I basically took on the rollers, you know, that my mom had among her sisters. So that's what I did. I was the decorator. And um Everybody would call me to do stuff. I always loved cooking. I always loved hosting. Like even as a kid, I'd be cooking dinner for like eight people. You know what I'm saying? I cook lunch for all of us. And I wasn't like, oh, I got to cook. I enjoyed it. Like I've always been amazing <laughs> with like hospitality and making people feel special. And I'd be all fancy. Like I couldn't make a regular peanut butter cracker. You know, I had to get all fancy with mine and put the little jelly on and designs and stuff. Like it's just, it was just there the whole time. And so I naturally went into it. Um, and then, you know, you start decorating stuff at people's houses and they come over and they go, Oh, who's the designer? And my cousins are like, ain't no designer. Like my cousin Ashley did that. You know, um, when people are moving into things, you know, into houses and stuff, everybody wants you to come over and ask what you think and go shopping with them and help them put the house together and choose things. So it was it. So it had always been there and I wasn't doing it for people outside of my family, but I was doing it for my family and friends. Um, and so basically one day somebody asked me outside of my family, what would I charge them to, um, to work on their house for? And I was like, nothing, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not, like I'm not do it. Um, and then, uh, they, then they asked about a party. They were having a shower. And, um, finally I was like, well, whatever you, you just pay me, whatever you think it's worth. You buy all the stuff and you just pay me something at the end. I was happy to do it. I was all, I always enjoyed it when I do anything, but like, interior design, event design, um, hospitality, anything, I'd get immense joy from it. Um, 
And so that was that. And then I got a little tip and I was like, all right. It's like, this is cool. Um, I was like, <laughs> I was like this is cool. Um, then I did another one and I, I, I'm still working for tips at this point, but I'm happy to be out here working for tips. Um, and so finally I go, I, I was watching, uh, what was I watching? I was watching this show. Um, it's a really old show. It's called Platinum Weddings. It's an old, old show. And um, I would see the people decorating and doing, that was the first time it really clicked in my brain. Like I could make money as a professional, you know, designer. And then not even having to do interior project, I could design parties like, Ooh, like this is fabulous. And so I was just like, Hey, I'm kind of doing that, you know, already. So I was, so I, and I would watch them and I'd be like, I can do that. And I, and that, that's a pretty big ego. You know, say some chick sitting on the couch at home where I can do that. And I well, that's what you call execution. <laughs> <laughs> I would have did this with it and that with it and blah, 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 blah. And, uh, <laughs> and so I'm working, doing my thing. And then I finish up undergrad and I go into graduate school. And I had this professor, Don Bradley. He, um, gosh, he, I mean, he was a tough guy, but I'm really thankful for it. And he had us put together a whole entire feasibility study and really build out this thing for a business. If we had an idea for a business, I already had an idea for events, but he just kind of helped me piece it together and go there. I made the feasibility study. I had to do my projections. I had to do my competitive analysis and all of that good stuff. And he was like, I think you really could have a viable business. And I was like, really? And he was like, yeah. So that's what kind of gave me the nudge to be like, okay, I'll do it. So soon after that, that's when I went and I um, LLC'd and I was like, let me get a website. And you know, I'm still just pilling along. I just got my little laptop girl and about $125, $130, nothing major. But mm-hmm. <laughs> I decided to take the next step. I said, well, I should get a job in the industry, so I should learn more about it. So I started calling all these people trying to get an internship. I started calling all these planners trying to get an intern, and nobody would take me on to be their intern. So at the end at that time, to be honest, I still I knew I wanted to own my own business, but I wasn't planning on doing it soon. I was going to work my corporate job until I was 40 or 45. That way, you know, I'd be able to build up a retirement and all right. that good stuff. And then I figured when I hit like 45 or 50, that's when I'd open up a business. So I really had no intention on, you know, becoming anyone's competitor in the market or anything like that. But no one would give me an internship. Nobody, nobody would Amazing. give me one. So finally I go and I get a part-time job at a uh, events rental company. And I liked it because they had all these, they had all this inventory. And I was like, well, I'll decorate your tables. And I'll, I, they would let me do stuff because it was a benefit to them. Like I had a whole lounge that I had draped inside of there and set up stuff. I was just always doing stuff and making new tablescapes and working with the silk flowers and coming up with cool window displays. I had fun doing it. And then of course, you know, I'd have to answer the phone and rent people stuff, but it was neat because I got to see the back end of stuff. Um, And so one day this woman comes in, she's having this party um, for the sculpture garden that she's making, (laughs) that she's making downtown. And she needed all this help. And I was like, I'll help or whatever. And so i came and I put her stuff together and built out the buffets and made these pretty flower arrangements for her and I got all of it set up and at the end of the night she comes up to me and she goes you know she goes I know what you did for me was worth way more than this but this is all I have and she gave me a $500 tip and I was like whoa I was like okay and that's when I knew that that's what I wanted to do and I was going to leave my corporate job and I was going to figure out how to do it so um I 
got real serious on my website. I made sure I got the pictures and stuff I had were crappy because I didn't know until then, you know, but I was like, I'm going to get myself better. I'm going to get myself better. But anyway, I started working girl and putting myself out there and meeting people. And eventually um, I was sitting, I was at my corporate job. I had left Wimrock by now. I was at a, I was making like real money and <laughs> I could afford like real adult stuff. And I was working, <laughs> I was working as a financial analyst and I was sitting there and I prayed and asked God for a sign, you know, if it was for me to stay and try and continue on with this company I was with or if I needed to try and start my own business. And um, I'm not joking. I closed like a hundred and fifty thousand dollar contract within that week. And wow. I was like, I said, well, there's my sign. And I left and never looked back. And it was time to go. It was along, time with, to go. along with the five hundred dollar tip. <laughs> yeah, so I was, but that's that's what it was, and it wasn't, you know. And I'll be honest, it was inconsistent, you know. And sometimes I would look back and I go, "Oh, did I make a mistake?" But now I'm like, "Oh no, I did not make a mistake." <laughs> but, but yeah, but, but that's that's how that's how that's how I got into uh to producing and designing events and all that shabazz. And I have, I've only seen pictures and the pictures that I saw were amazing. And I was really surprised and it totally impressed when I saw them. I was like, okay, this is another, you know, dimension to this woman. I got to talk to her. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. So what was the pivotal point into transitioning into a marketeer? Um, because I had learned how to market on my own, right? It was sink or swim. I can't tell you how many hundreds of thousands of dollars I lost doing all of the traditional mass marketing things that they teach you to do. Um, I'll be honest, a lot of the schools are out of date when it comes into marketing your business, um, communicating with one-to-one, um, really learning how to effective to effectively target, you know, for a small business owner. And so they teach you to do business like these huge corporations, like, you know, I'll, I'll be honest and I'm not, you know, poo-pooing myself, but it, it's just the reality. Like I'm not Coca-Cola, right? right? I don't have a $20 million marketing budget for one region that I can spend in one quarter. I don't have that. You know, if I do $20 million in a year, I've had an amazing year. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, wow. like not the marketing budget, you know, so... I had been taught to mass market where you get on billboards and you be on radio and you run television commercials and you get on infomercials and, you know, you do the mailers and you, you, you do flyers and postcards and you do all this stuff. And you're just trying to make sure the people in your region are familiar with you. And if, and if they need your service, they will even think about you. And then if they think about you now, you know, now we got to try and convert you into a customer. And it was very inconsistent. I couldn't even really tell you where my customers and clients were coming from when I was doing that, right? You work in the word of mouth, you're inside of the groups, you're running all these ads. And I was just barely breaking even. Um, and I so, can totally relate to that from my business with real estate. Yeah, uh, yeah. it's a lot. It's a you, lot. And you, you you're like under buying, pressure. Cooker. Yeah, and you end up buying all these systems and, and they don't work. And then you realize you spent so much money and yes. the next thing you know, you have to really fine tune it. So, yes, yes I'm, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. So I was going through all that. And so anyways, girl, I made this post on my Facebook page. Nothing really happened. I made a second one. I didn't even get 10 likes. I did the third one. And um, on that one, I still didn't get a lot of likes. I don't even think it was 10. It may, I may have gotten to 15 likes, but 
the amazing thing that happened is someone slid into my inbox and she said, oh, I see your work with weddings and I'm having a birthday party. Do you do birthdays? Of course I do birthdays. She had a better budget budget for her birthday party than most of these girls had that I was, because I was doing the struggle brides. I was on the chitlin circuit back then. So I was like, like, of course. I was like, girl, I'm already at your venue. So anyway, I did her birthday party. And of course, you know, she was around other people that could afford to have like better quality and caliber parties. So that helped a lot. But what I learned from that, I said, I said, I just made a post on Facebook and this didn't cost me any money. And I booked a client and I knew if I did it once I could do it again, even though it was a fluke. But I was like, I'm going to figure out how to make this not a fluke. So that's what had had me delve into the social media marketing and digital marketing and learning how to do SEO. And at the time, email marketing is what was hot back then, like content marketing and social media marketing that still didn't really exist, you know? Um, that's just a new thing, like as of like 10 years. Right. Right. And even back in the day when I was doing it, which was 10 years ago, it didn't have a name and people kind of thought it was like fly by night and all that kind of stuff. But I just stuck with it because it was working. It was getting me clients. Um, so anyway, I've started taking all these email marketing classes and stuff like that. And I'll be honest, I was discouraged because all these guys, first of all, none of them look like me you know, right. um, and they all have these massive lists, like of hundreds of thousands of people. And I was like, well, God dang, you know, I've been out here for two months in these streets and I barely can get 200 people on this list. So <laughs> I was like, I'm never going to make any money. So anyway, I had a list. I had under 2000 people on this list, but something great happened. I sent out a query and I made a little bit over $17,000 back. Wow. I was like, well, man, that was for blue- free. Yeah, I said, I said, well, maybe maybe it's a fluke. Maybe it's, you know, because I'm I'm a real I'm really into numbers and being able to prove stuff and repeat processes and think, you know, I'm good at building systems. And I'm background. Yeah, that is. That's what I said. It's weird how all of it like kind of kicked back around (laughs) to full Mm -hmm. circle. So, um, uh, so I was like, maybe it's a fluke. Try it again to about 10,000. So I called up some people and said, Hey, I think I know how we can make money. And y'all just got to do exactly what I tell you to do over the next six weeks. Everybody was making money, 8,000, 20,000, 13,000. And I was like, Oh "Oh, crap. I know something. I know something they don't know. I don't have a huge list. You know, I don't have all these sophisticated systems. I'm not paying, you know, $80,000 for somebody to develop a website and a cart for me. And that's when I stumbled upon target marketing. That's what's known as target marketing now. But back in the day, it wasn't there. And I knew that the reason people were buying things, even though I didn't have big lists, I had quality people on my list and I was able to give them information that they cared about. And people wanted to open their emails from me. They wanted to get more. They would respond back to me and then I could make them offers and they would buy my stuff, whatever it was that I was offering. And so, um, I still wasn't teaching people at the time, but I was like, oh yeah, my business, my business like pretty much changed overnight with that. So I started doing that. I was running my Facebook ads. You know, I had my whole little system. I was like, oh, Snoop, you know, I'm doing something. I'm doing something. It's getting better. And those these systems, tri- girl, those <laughs> systems. <laughs> and then my colleagues started asking me, other people in the event industry, what are you doing? How are you booking these clients? I don't understand. How are you getting people to spend all this money? Because at the time, I think the average 
the average for a wedding in the state of Arkansas was something like $12,000 or something like that. And my clients were averaging around 30 or 35,000. So I was way above the state average, way above the national average. And people were like, what is this girl doing? Cause everything I started kicking out was like hot sauce at that point in time. Um, and then eventually people outside of the events industry started asking me for advice and tips and stuff like that. Um, and that's how I got into consulting. Amazing. And it just kicked off like that. Yeah, that's how I got into it. And I just worked my jelly rolls. And then um, I kept doing. So eventually, you know, I learned that people didn't really want to learn it. They just wanted to pay somebody to do it. So I still kept consulting. And then we opened up a, a, um, a part of the company where I would manage people's ads accounts and things like that for them. Um, and then one day, about four years ago, I decided because I got I kept meeting these people that were getting hustled and scammed and someone would come in to say they were going to do their SEO or they were going to do their Facebook ads or they were going to market for them and they would charge people $5,000, $10,000, $12,000 and they would never deliver the service to the people. Um, and it would just break my heart, you know, cause I'm a small business owner too. And I didn't grow up wealthy. Like I had to work and put everything together and I was like, well, no, you shouldn't have did this. And this is what this means. And that's over there. And I realized they didn't know. And that's when I started teaching for free. I was just like, hey, I was like, if you got a pen and a pad and you can get on here when I get on here, come and learn. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach you for free, like how all of this works. And that's when I created the late night business show. And it just went kind of kaboom. And that's when I started getting international clients. And um, I really started pushing I really started developing more digital products and courses and classes. And so I still have, you know, all of this is under the umbrella of the consulting company. Um, so, yeah, so it just all kind of just it, it's been a progression right over the years. It's been a steady progression, um, you know, and you just kind of transition from one level to the next, from one level to the next. Absolutely. And you took it all the way there. And when you talk about execution to excellence, my God, I have to take my hat off to you, lady. <laughs> you killed that. You killed it in one sentence there. So let me ask you this. Um, even though the fundamentals, fundamentals and principles are the same in business, what do you teach everyday people and business owners to do differently to win in today's digital world? Um, learning how to be service focused instead of sales focused is the biggest mindset shift. Um, and then also helping an everyday person understand that everything you do is content. Your customers and your clients don't understand the process. They don't understand the back end. They don't understand anything about the suppliers. But what they do know is what desired state they're trying to get to. And so if you can solve a problem for them, answer a question for them, uh, show them how to you know, prolong the use or the wear of something, how to maintain things, um, if you can show them different uses uses for your products or for your services or um, educate them on the benefits or the process of it or concepts like anything that you can do because people don't really want to be sold to but they like to be informed um, and if you can answer a problem if you can answer a question or solve a problem for someone you got a lifetime client you build up You're your no like right. you know like that like it's almost instantaneous and so being able to being able to understand everything you're doing on a day-to-day -day basis is content and being willing to, you know, serve people, um, you know, and really just try and say, how can I really help this person? How can I make their life better? Um, and so if you can put that into a system, 
Now, all of a sudden you're developing relationships with clients and you're making, you know, ridiculous amounts of sales. And even with people who have higher, um, higher costs, you know, products and services like we do, right? You, you do multi-million dollar real estate. So you can't, you know, offer that for $9.99. Oh, definitely <laughs> um, not. <laughs> you know, so when, even when you have that, but putting your, it creates this vacuum for you. So now all of a sudden, because people see you as a resource, well, now clients and customers come to you, right? Because you're consistently putting out this information that is informing them and helping them and they want to be involved in it and a part of it and they find it valuable. Um, so everyday people, just understanding that whatever you're doing day to day is content. You got to get in the habit of documenting it, you know, get, get comfortable with turning on your phone and shooting a 15 second story, get comfortable with, you know, typing out the definition of something or taking one of your FAQs and answering it in front of the camera or turning on or snapping a picture, you know, at your desk or while you're preparing or while you're headed to something. Um, because for your audience, again, they don't understand the process. And it's really not their job to understand the process. You're the expert at whatever it is that you do. They just know the destination that they're trying to get to. And you need to make sure that you show up as a resource for them. So that way, whenever they're ready to participate through purchase, they do that with you and not with someone else. Absolutely. You said that straight because that's true. As long as you can establish yourself as the expert in your field, they keep coming back. And that's how I've been able to sustain my level of Um, expertise and my level of business, which I'm really happy and proud of because it's been a, you know, a long, long climb. Trust me, that's been a high hill that I had to get over. Wait a second, I'm still climbing that hill too. (laughs) (laughs) But that's all good, you know, it's all good. So was it, do you think it was your calling or did you just feel very passionate about helping people, helping people to win? I've always felt passionate about helping people my whole life. Um, And that's one of those things too, like my peers and my cousins. And, you know, when we were kids, people could see that like they, you know, oh, I'm going to call Ashley because I know Ashley's going to say yes and she's going to come and help me. I've always loved, I've always enjoyed helping people. So that's been there um, the whole time. I think it was in my, um, I would say in my late twenties is when I realized that I really loved helping people with business and um, creating financial security and creating wealth for themselves. I think that's when I really, because I got how much power that there is with money and people don't like to talk about that or they like to, you know, kind of skate around it or pretend like that's not true, but no, money, money gets you access, you know, Money gets people to take your call sometimes that wouldn't normally take your call. You Money say that again. Can give you a peace of mind because I, you can focus on your purpose. You can focus on what you're supposed to do when you don't have to worry about if you're going to be able to pay your mortgage or not. When you don't have to worry about if you can keep the lights on. When you don't have to worry about am I going to be able to buy food for my children to eat, right? Um, so at a at the base level, you know, it provides some level of security. And depending on how big that paycheck is, it does get you access to different information and knowledge and resources, you know, and communities and networks that you wouldn't have access to. I'm not saying money is everything, but I'm not going to sit here and try and shy away from it. But that money equates to power. Money equates to a better lifestyle and in more instances than not money sometimes can make sure that your children get a better education than other people that don't have it. This is just the reality of things. Um, 
And so for me, understanding that I could help people walk into their power, create the lives that they wanted to live and make money doing things that they actually enjoyed, that was extremely fulfilling for me. And so um, then to know that I could help people um, protect themselves as well, right? And so you don't have to get hustled by some fast talking marketer um, that's going to, you know, that's going to sell you all these hopes and dreams and run away with your bag in the middle of the night. Um, so that, it's kind of like a culmination of all of that. And so I, I, that's what keeps me going. And so I, I can't not lie. I love it when people drop a receipt, when someone comes with a testimonial, there was a young lady um, before we hopped on the calls in my Instagram inbox and she took a screenshot of a Sam card and she showed me her receipt. She said, I made $248 this month from selling my stuff. And she said, I know it's not that much, but I'm excited because it's the beginning. And she said, I've been trying to make money online for over a year. And I'm, and I'm taking your courses and I'm doing it. You know what I'm saying? I was so proud of her. I said, that is something to be excited about. Your first dollar that you made, you know, you made $248 from selling some products that didn't even cost that much. Yeah, it's only a matter of time, you know, before that $248 is $248,000, right? That's um, right. So that is very fulfilling to me to know that I'm, you know, empowering people and then helping people to be educated and giving them practical tools and steps that they can use to actually see a change, you know, um, something that that is tangible, something that can be accounted for. Like that's super difficult. Well, actually, you're changing people's lives, Ashley, you know, because like you said, money creates access and access is what a lot of people want. You know, even if they're going to a restaurant and they see someone over there that's, you know, getting a lot of attention and they're not, more than likely that person has dined there many, many, many times, has, you know, greased the palm of several people's hands in there, you know, coming in there showing who he is or what he has or, you know, what he can provide. So money does provide access to whatever you may need or want. So, yes, that's true. That, you, you said a mouthful there. So this is a segue into my next question. The coaching arena used to be dominated by men, and now we are starting to see a lot of women of color in that same space. Would you say that is mainly, yeah. <laughs> Would you say that is mainly because of social media? Um, I don't think it's mainly because of social media, believe it or not. I think social media plays a large part in it. Um, but I think it's also a societal shift. Like, so just, just looking at African-American women, right? Right now in the United States, we're the most educated group. And we also open up businesses at a rate of six to one compared to everyone else. So at the end of the day, people, again, they're going to buy and support and learn from people that look like them, right? And there right. wasn't, there wasn't anyone that looked like us before, but now there is. So when you have social media, there's this space that's created because all of us um, that are in my age range, we've all grown up with it our whole lives. We understand it backwards and forwards and forwards and backwards and what to do with it. So it created a space for us to get in there and say, well, this is actually how you do this and this is how you work it. And because social media gives you your own platform, well, now I don't need someone who doesn't look like me who's not the same race, who's not the same gender, who's not the same age necessarily, I, that's going to tell me how things are supposed to go. Well, you can't 
you, I don't need you to invite me to your table now. I can build my own table and my own platform and build up my own base and I can, and I can secure my own bag without you. So now you can't take anything from me. So I think social media definitely plays a part in it and allowing people to build their audiences. But I also feel like the, the shift, you know what I'm saying? Like that's going on with black women in general with us kind of saying, nobody's going to save us. We got to save ourselves we got to stick together. You know what I'm saying? We got to get out there. We got to get out here and make this happen. Um, and if I see another sister that's out here doing her thing and trying to do something with herself, let me go over there and support her too. I feel, I, right. feel like it's, I feel like it's a combination of all of those things. You said, let me go and straighten her crown out for her and just make sure yeah. she's wearing it straight. Okay. okay. Yeah, let me put a little Bobby Finn in there for you, girl. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. I don't know. I might have to charge for this this interview, this podcast, girl. You can you drop in so many gems for. I love it. I love it. And listen, I might have to take a course myself. <laughs> you don't need no course on me, girl. You out here killing it, killing it. Okay. So, what was one of your biggest challenges in business thus far? Ooh, biggest challenge in business. I've had so many challenges. I'm trying to think what <laughs> what the biggest. Um, well, when you're growing, we, you know, we always come you know, yeah. up against challenges, some bigger than others. I think the biggest for me, to be honest, is not even, it's related to business, but not. I'm going to say it's adjacent. It's trying to make sure that my personal life did not derail my professional life. I think okay. that that's one of the biggest challenges. Um, so I was married before and my ex-husband was my high school sweetheart and things just went, they, they started off beautifully and they went horribly wrong. And after his second tour, he had some issues when he came back um, and he, he had issues with substance abuse and he did not want to go and get help. And then that, that turned into him being physically abusive towards me. And then um, emotionally abusive and then eventually cheating on me. So it was all these things that were snowballing and I would be trying to put on a happy face and I was hiding what was going on from everybody, you know, in my life. They were shocked once I finally said, Hey, this is what's really been going on and I'm getting a divorce. And everybody they were like, what, what, you know, what, what do you mean? Um, so, um, but I, I, I was going through severe depression. I was honestly on the verge of a mental breakdown at that time because I would go out in the public and act like everything was fine. And I would go to work and try and handle things for my clients and network and, you know, all that good stuff. And then I would be at home like crying, you know, every single day, crying every single night, you know, upset because my husband at the time was out with his mistress and not coming home for three or four days at a time. And then when we come home, we get into these big arguments and, you know, then we're physically fighting one another. And it, it was it was a lot. Um, and so being able to not shut down um, and still continuing to work. And, you know, figure out how, how do you get yourself out of the situation? How do you take care of yourself uh, mentally? You know, because like I said, I was I was really on the edge um, at that point in time, but still be able to run your business because you got to know somewhere in there that what you're going through right now and what you're feeling right now and what you're struggling with right now is only temporary. It's not forever. But my business that I'm trying to build, you know, is going to have to surpass this moment. Right. 
and I can't let all the work that I've put into it fall apart. I can't let it all, you know, burn to the ground. Um, so I would say that's probably was one of the most challenging things that I had to get past in business. So it wasn't necessarily, you know, a direct business relation, but trying to make sure that my personal life did not destroy, you know, what I had built, what I had built professionally. Wow. Thank you for being brutally honest. Um, yeah. Yeah. That, that could derail a lot of things in life. And thank God you had the strength to get out and, and understand what was going on at the time. And a lot of women don't make it out and some yeah, don't make don't. it out alive. So I'm, yeah. I'm so happy for you and um, pleased that you were able to make that decision and stand with it. So, yeah, Absolutely. I take my hat off to you. Well, thank you for that. Like, it's, I think it's important for people once they get ready um, to be transparent about things like that. Because I feel like sometimes people see us on the, you know, on the other side of the storm. So they see you with your, you know, now your makeup's all pretty, your hair's together, you know, so you're smiling and bouncing around and having a great time. And I think it's important for people to understand, you know, everybody goes through their stuff. And if I got through my stuff, you can get through your stuff, too, you know, and just keep keep at it and keep going, because it's definitely difficult. And I feel like it's more, I think sometimes you can feel like it's impossible to get through when you think you're the only one. Absolutely. And you never know what anybody's going through. You know, you see people on the street, they're happy, you know, or you might even see someone that's sad and you think, what are they so sad about? What are they going through? And we keep walking. Um, I'm definitely one when I see anybody um, going through anything that seems like turmoil on the street, I stop. I have to stop. It's, it's my duty to stop as a human being. But, you know, sometimes you can't tell because, you know, that person, like you said, is putting on a happy face and they're trying to make, you know, light of everything while they're going through hell at home. Yeah. So you can't help unless they reach out. Exactly. Exactly. And then that comes from, and well, for me, I can't speak for everybody, but it was more embarrassment. You know, I was embarrassed what I was going through and I didn't want anybody to know. So it's, it's very strange how all that works. And then you find that you're like isolated and, you know, that snowballs into something else and to something else. And now you don't have anybody to talk some sense into your head when you're having all these crazy thoughts and, you know, some type of counter opinion <laughs> to counter whatever, whatever thought you're having and whatever emotion you're having. It's a very dangerous space to, to be in. Um, so, yeah, so that's why I think that was probably one of the most difficult things that I had to overcome. Yeah, and I think people have to make that decision also on their own, because even if you have people around you sharing with you that do know that these things are going on, because there are some people that do know, but they can't help because that person, that individual don't want the help because of the Absolutely. embarrassment, because of what they think is shameful. Absolutely. Yeah. And you're right about that. A person has to come to it on their own. And um, I always think the best thing for somebody, if you know someone that's in that situation, you just let them know I'm here for you. You know, whatever you decide, I'm not judging you, but I'm here. And if you ever decide you want to go, I'll help you. If you decide you want to stay, I'll still be here, you know, um, but I'm I'm here and I'm Absolutely. not or holding it against you because I do think that's what keeps a lot of people solid and I can't speak for everyone you know just for me and you know from my 
from my perspective. And this thing is, I want people to see me in this light, right? I want people to see me as strong. I want people to see me as capable. I want people to see me as doing well. And this that I'm going through does not, <laughs> does not reflect what I want you to think about me, right? So that was a whole thing I had to deal with you know, on my own and just get comfortable and get to the point where I don't, I don't care. I don't care what you think. Thank you. I don't care what you think. Yeah. Thank you for no. sharing. I, I wish I was next to you. I would put my arms around you and give you a big <laughs> hug and kiss girl. I would. Oh, thank yes. you. I can, thank you for I can sharing feel, that. I can, feel, I can feel your hug. I can Good. feel the energy. <laughs> I know because our energies are strong from the day I met you I was like oh my god I love this girl already and your laugh is so infectious it's, it's not funny when you laugh you make everybody laugh so that's a beautiful oh, thing thank too you. thank you so much for that thank you so much for that so let me ask you this what do you think hold people back from achieving their full potential and heart desires uh I think it's a combination of fear and also um, self-doubt and low self-worth. There are so many people walking around on the planet Earth right now who have no faith in their own capabilities. They have no faith in the gifts and the talents that they've been blessed with. Um, There are people who have no faith in their own visions. There are so many people walking around feeling like they're not capable of putting together a strong plan. They're not capable, you know, of executing something. Um, there, there are so many people that are fearful of what people are going to say about them or who's going to laugh at them. Or if I get out there and I try and I don't succeed, you know what I'm saying? I don't, I don't want people to talk about it. It's just fear and it's irrational fear. Like all of us fail. Every single, I don't know one person who hasn't taken an L at some point in their life. Um, but it's, and it's like, it's weird because it never kicks in for them. Well, what if I win? What if I'm successful? What if this goes the way that I wanted to go? What if it goes better than I thought it would, right? That's um, right. And, and you don't always have to start, you know, trying to get to the penthouse. Sometimes you can just say, well, you know what? My first goal is just to get to the second floor. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yes. and, then, and, then, and then my next goal is just to get to the, to the fifth floor. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, Maybe I think. Yeah, baby steps, allowing yourself the room to grow. But I think that's what I think stops most people. It's the fear, the self-doubt, self-doubt and a very low valuation on their capabilities and abilities and, you know, like where they are. And then you get some people that struggle with just worthiness in general, like they just don't feel like they deserve to win, which is a whole nother situation in itself. This is true. That's like what we just spoke about. Yeah. So would you say, um, what would you say is the biggest secret to marketing yourself in the digital world today? Ooh, um, I know people say this all the time, but it's true. Being consistent. Most people are not, most people are not consistent and not just consistency. And as I'm saying, like post three times a day, not consistent in that aspect, like, yes, you should do that too. But being consistent with your tone, being consistent um, with clear messages, being consistent with the images you're choosing to use, um, being consistent with whatever the activity is. It'd be like you, you have this wonderful podcast, right? And if all of a sudden you were doing really, really well, and let's say you got to episode 24 and then you just disappeared for eight months, right? And then when you try and come back, you've lost your base, you've lost your momentum, right? You've lost some of the other opportunities you would have gotten because you just fell off the map and disappeared. 
Um, so learning how to be consistent with like your daily actions, learning, you know, how to just be consistent with your plan, learning how to consistently network, learning how to consistently follow up with people, like just being consistent, learn like creating your little schedule and your little systems and sticking to it. Um, massive results and massive failures are the direct results of what we're consistently doing. Oh, wow. Okay. This is true. I've been guilty of that myself at times in my life, building my own career. So I, I definitely understand that. Yeah. And, and it's true. If you're not consistent, you will lose. You will lose your customers. You will lose the, your momentum, your momentum and everything. Um, you have to stay on top of it. And that's what organization and your time, too. Absolutely. It's so called, It's I mean, called showing up. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know it's cliche to say consistency, but I, I I do. I think that's what it is. And I think when you know people think about social, they just think about oh, I'm supposed to post every day and use a bunch of hashtags. And I, no, you got to be consistent across the board. You know, the social media is just a marketing. Uh, it's just a marketing tool. That's it. You still got to run that business. That's right. And show yeah. up. I tell people <laughs> every day, especially in real estate, you must show up. If you don't show up and show up correctly. They will find somebody else that's willing that's to show what up. I was thinking, I was like, in real estate, you better show up because the competition is fierce. Oh, fierce. <laughs> fierce, girl. <laughs> How about drainingly so? <laughs> I've seen people trying to steal people's clients like right in front of them. It's it's amazing. Like, oh, yes. There's some bold, there's some bold um, personalities in real estate for sure, for sure. Yes, there are. Yes, there are. So did you ever think, Miss Ashley, that you would be in this space today? Yes and no. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because like I said, when I was when I was young, I always had these, you know, dreams, I guess, of a grand life. And it's really strange because you know how most little girls, you think like some guy, you know, the prince is going to come in on the white horse and save you for whatever reason. I ne I just always knew like I'd be able to do it on my own. As crazy as that sounds, if, if I was just like, if it's me and God, we got this, we can make it happen. So the I knew that I was going to be successful. Um, no, as far as, you know, I thought that where I am now would kind of be like the peak. And now it's more like I feel like I'm barely getting started. You know, so I hadn't scratched the surface. I feel like I'm about to get slingshotted into the next stratosphere. Okay. Um, <laughs> so I, yes, I thought that I would get successful. Um, surprising though, like the node part, I didn't know it was going to be where it's going to now. Right. Um, cause even when I look, it's just even, you know, I have so much more of my life to live. I'm at the age right now. I could have another two careers right now if I wanted to, you know? Um, so to be in that position, um, is incredible. Um, I, and I, I don't take it for granted. Um, but did I know I was going to get here? Yes. I thought I would just be much older before I got to where I am now. Okay. So this is great. Where do you see yourself in five years, in the next five in years? Five, in the next five years. Um, hopefully with a husband and some children, that would be okay. nice. That would be really, really nice. Um, I, I think I will have, um, hopefully some of my programs and curriculums will be inside of some uh, institutions, so some universities and colleges. Um, 
I think in the next five years, I would have figured out how to even how to make my system even more efficient than it is now. And I can see myself maybe even boxing up my business and almost having like a training camp uh, or a certification program where you can come and get certified um, in, you know, in the areas of marketing and technology and um, maybe like monetization and stuff and basically like building little businesses so other people can go out and affect and impact and help more people. Fantastic. You can have your head on straight. I tell you, you guys, when you hear this podcast, you're going to say to me, we need her on again. (laughs) You're getting some real gems here. Okay. Sweet. Oh, thank you. So sweet. So I read somewhere where you said you have been blessed with three talents. And I think it was beautification, hospitality, and business. Now, I've heard two of them. (laughs) And since you are, which, I mean, I've seen you in the flesh a few times now, since you are a big, beautiful woman, and I say beautiful with all my heart, inside and out, did you ever Mm -hmm. think about opening up a business for women like yourself, makeup, modeling, fashion? I mean, because when you, when I see you, I see all of those things. And you're, you know, ultra talented. Have you ever thought about going in that direction? Um, so this is going to be funny. So back in the day, like this is a long time ago before I decided I was going to do the event design and planning route. Um, I actually was a model and I used to do, uh, like runway shows and I would do like a lot of, um, website, not like the booty website type stuff, but like (laughs) like, like outfits, like people would have like a boutique, you know, online boutique and they, you know, you go and you see the girls that are wearing the clothes so you can buy like the caftan or the kimono or the jeans like that. Yes. That's how I want to make sure I clarify that. I <laughs> um, but so um, I would do that. And then I actually was a makeup artist when I was in college. And um, I used to freelance for fashion fair. I don't know if you remember that line. Oh, and girl. I, yes, you know, I do. <laughs> the fashion fair and Christian Dior. And I would and I would work and I would do makeup for like the fashion shows and weddings and all that kind of stuff. And um, I enjoyed it a lot, but it just boiled down to I was like, this is fun, but I live in Arkansas and I'm not going to be able to make a living doing it. Um, it. If I had stumbled across like media and marketing and stuff like what I know now. I probably would have been on a different trajectory and I may, I may have had my own makeup line and all that stuff by now. Um, So I don't, I don't know if I would ever go back to business with it. Maybe a boutique for sure, for sure. Um, You know, cause it, it does, it, it hurts my heart when I see a, a big, beautiful woman or like a curvy woman or even a fat girl or a chubby girl, you know, everybody ain't going to be thick. Some of us are fat and that's fine. You still can be fat and fine. Somebody is into it. I'm telling you, you better be into it. Um, <laughs> you know, like, you have to be yourself, you know. Um, but it paint when I see when I see us, you know, kind of cowering. I've been statuesque my whole life. I've always been like the, you know, the tallest girl or the almost tallest girl. I've always been, you know, I've always had a whole bunch of thighs and boobs and all of that stuff. Uh, thank the Lord that it's all proportionate, right, and stacked up right. right. Um, but it's, it's always been there. So I've never, you know, I've never been like the small girl. I've never been petite. And so it's weird to me when I see other ladies who it's like, we see you girl, like, who are you hiding from? So if, if you're, you know, 
if you're a larger lady, whether it's coming from you being thick or you being chubby or you're fat or, you know, you're just statuesque, like whatever it is, we all see you. So stop, you know, so dress accordingly, you know, <laughs> dress, yes. dress accordingly. put yourself together because you look weird coming into the room, you know, trying to cower or toning yourself down. We all see you. Everybody's looking at you anyway. So I just feel like give them something to look at that's beautiful. We all see you anyway. Um, you, do. So. you do that very well. I mean, so eventually maybe I may get into like, I, I can see myself maybe having some boutiques or something. Um, maybe no, you wear in- your curves very well. Trust me. Thank very you. classy. Um, and, and I didn't expect you to be as tall as you are when I met you because I'm, I'm 5'11". So I was just like, okay, thank you, God. I have someone I can stand tall next to. And so, yes, I mean, I think you carry yourself extremely well. Very beautiful, um, big, curvy woman. And, and I find that very sexy. So, yes, hey. Kudos oh, to you, thank baby. You so much. I think you are just beautiful and elegant and gorgeous and very model esque. And I was like, oh, thank you. She's so pretty. I was See? Like, so pretty. Yes. Our I, energies I gel. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> this is this is true. I was I was so delighted to meet you. So delighted. I was just like, oh my gosh. I was like, what a beautiful woman. Oh, just thank you. Energetically, you're beautifully, you're beautiful physically too, like just gorgeous, but like energetically, very beautiful, very warm, um, you know, very captivating. And um, there, there's a gentleness to you that you have that I like. I have to, I have to work on that. I think I'll grow into that. I'm very, I think sometimes I'm a little too forceful or maybe a little too bold. And you have a, there's a gentleness that you have. It's powerful, but it's still gentle. And I think, I think that's an art. I think that's age. <laughs> no, I think I think it's an art. I don't think it's age because I've I've met you know some older ladies and they don't have that. I think that's a that's a thing. I think I don't know if you I don't know if it can be developed. I'm not sure if it can be taught or learned, but there's there's something there, right? There's some people that have that, like they can be very gentle, but they're still very powerful. Um, and I think it's nice because it it also you make more friends that way. You know, I feel like you don't offend as many people as sometimes you do when you're like a bulldozer sometimes. So I, I know sometimes I can be quite assertive and people are like, oh my God, <laughs> you know, like, I don't oh, okay. <laughs> know. You know, I think it's a certain peacefulness I have um, within myself that I developed over the years. Um, and may that be, you know, disappointments in my life and, and been able to deal with them and and look out for them when they're on their way, when I can feel that energy coming my way. So I just kind of pretty much disarm people immediately. So Mm -hmm. they're not um, intimidated or feel like, you know, I could do any harm to them by opening my mouth in the wrong manner. So I I think that's probably a peacefulness that I've found within myself, you know. Yeah, it's beautiful. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. I've never heard anybody say that, but when now that you have said that that's the only thing I can think of in my mind um coming from me I'm just pretty calm (laughs) yes not too many things get get to me anymore (laughs) there's no more surprises I guess I hope there are a few coming (laughs) a few left somewhere though (laughs) so let me ask you what advice would you give young a young budding entrepreneur today um create a plan so that you don't get too far off of your path. 
um, it's really easy to get distracted uh, by things that look like they're quick money or a quick turnaround. And just try and and understand that things typically that are going to be sustainable for long periods of time aren't built overnight. Um, Give yourself some grace. Be patient with yourself. Create benchmarks and work towards those benchmarks. And, you know, you your business is a living, breathing entity. It's allowed to change. It's allowed to grow. But you just make sure you write it down or type it down somewhere. So, again, you can stay focused on, you know, the vision, focused on the goal, focused on building what it is that you want to create. Um, and while you're focusing, be a good listener. Um, if you listen well and you understand I feel like you'll always be able to adjust to, you know, the different mediums, the different channels, the different shifts and to what your market is demanding. And so that way you can always be on top of delivering the best message or product or service or, you know, whatever the hybrid is um, or community or, you know, whatever it is, whatever it is that you're trying to put out there into the world, you can do it the most effectively and you can do it um, the most efficiently. I love that you say, you said, be a good listener, because that is so important. Because if you don't listen, how can you ever understand what people want from you? Yes. Or, what, or what type of service you're supposed to be giving them if you don't hear what they're saying? Absolutely. That, that is so true. I mean, being a good listener, being consistent, understanding your market, and when the market shifts, stay on target. Yeah, because it's it's easy to get distracted. It's easy to be like squirrel, you know. Yeah, (laughs) when you turn around, like, oh my god, what happened to that? How how the house burned down? It's like because you went and chased, you know, chased the squirrel over here, like Lucas. (laughs) When you when you're supposed to be giving your business legs to grow, right? Definitely. I don't recall who said this, but it has stuck with me for years. Um, and it, it, it resonates with me still to this day, but it's, you be stubborn about your goal, but flexible about the methods, um, giving yourself the permission to be open, you know, to maybe some different courses or some different paths or different ways to get, you know, to that goal. Um, so that way you don't miss your opportunity to develop and grow because you're, you're so, you know, stubborn about it has to happen this way. It has to come in this package. It has to be in this box. That's not necessarily true. So you be stubborn about that end result. You be stubborn about that goal, but you be flexible, you know, and give yourself some room to get there in That's whatever right. the may be that it comes. I know a lot of people are not flexible and they don't realize that, you know, you have to change and shift when the market shifts. And I tell young agents all the time, slow down understand what you're doing. You know, it's not going to happen tomorrow. You have to, they want to break into the luxury market. No, you don't break into it. You grow into it. Mm-hmm. And, and once that light bulb goes off in their head, they're like, oh, okay. You know, everybody yeah. can't, everybody can't sell a million dollar property. First of all, you have to understand who you're selling to. Absolutely. You know, know your customer. You have to be able to identify that customer, the way they look, the way they walk, the way they speak, where they go, their lifestyle, everything about them. And if you can't identify that customer, how can you service that customer? You got to play in their sandbox. That's right. So, you know, I I definitely understand where you're coming from. 
So, Miss Lady, you're so busy. When do you find time to relax and how do you relax, Ashley? <laughs> so it's going to sound crazy, but I kind of have to, I schedule it sometimes. Like when I have really hectic weeks like I've had the past few weeks, I literally will schedule the way I would schedule a call or a consultation with somebody. I may schedule an hour <laughs> in there and be like, nope, I'm not. This is, I'm having a meeting with myself. <laughs> so <laughs> I build it into my schedule. Um, that helps for sure, for sure. Um, I, I enjoy if any of you guys ever meet me or if you ever go to any of my social pages, you'll see I'm really into my nails. Um, so I have my nails have the most going on. I have all the crystals and blings and sparkles and designs and stuff. And so um, every other week I go to my nail appointment. I don't go with anyone um, unless it's someone's birthday or something, you know, then I, or I have a friend in from out of town. You know, I take them with me um, that I like to go by myself. And I bring my little headphones and I can listen to my music and I can sip on, you know, my little libation or whatnot and just kind of sit there and I can think about something or think about nothing. And I do my best not to work, not to answer an email, not to take a call, not to do anything, just to give myself the space to just kind of just be. Um, and then at the top of the year, because it's my slower period, I just kind of throw a dart on the map and wherever it lands, I say, that's where I'm going. I love vacationing and traveling and hanging out and sometimes I bring a companion sometimes I don't um, I just do whatever I feel like doing oh I love throwing that dart to the map mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I have to try that <laughs> you should. It's, it's a lot of fun it's a lot of fun yeah, that makes sense I think somebody told me you did that before a mutual friend of ours told me that <laughs> yeah I just throw it on there and say this is where I'm going um, and, and sometimes I'll think about an area you know I'll say oh well it's, it's cold and gloomy like this past January. It, I mean, it was just like gray and raining like every day here. Like, what is going on? And I just got tired of it. And I was like, well, I want to go somewhere warm. So I knew I was going to head, you know, south of the equator or at least, you know, like roll down into the Caribbean um, area. So I just threw the dart and, and landed in Mexico. So I was like, all right, I'm going to Mexico. And so I went to Cabo and I hung out there and then I um, went to Santo Domingo and I hung out there and then I went to I went to the Dominican, which I will not be back anytime soon as of all of these stories that started coming out. But I hung out there and had a great time. And, you know, I just island hop like every, I just, OK, this is where I'm going. <laughs> this is what I'm doing. And it was nice. It was a really, really nice time. But I um, I enjoy my own company, too, and I can entertain myself uh, wow. very well. So normally I'm good with people or without people. I love that. So am I. I. I enjoy my own space. Trust me. So you have this event coming up in August. Tell us a little bit about that. And I definitely will be attending that. I do. I'm so excited. Um, it's called Accelerate 180. It's the most lit business and lifestyle conference in all of America. Oh. Um, so it's, uh, it's designed for actual strategy and results. So most conferences, when you intend them, when you attend them, you know, there's a lot of motivation and there's nothing wrong with motivation. We have a little motivation there too. But and honestly, it's just a lot of people on the stage talking about how great they are. And um, they're speaking to you and all of this high level verbiage. And you just, you kind of really don't know what's going on, right? <laughs> um, a, lot, a lot of people don't, you know, but everybody sits there and they go, oh, oh yeah, this is amazing. Or, you know, whatever. It's a load of crap. And then you leave and you have no real connections. You have no real direction on what to do next. 
um, you have no real strategy. You haven't been introduced to anything new. Um, and, and you're, you know, but we're, we're all out here going to these things. And so anyways, um, I developed this a few years ago and it was called Wealth Camp. And this year is the first year it's being called Accelerate 180. Um, but the results that people get and the reaction is just, it's, it's mind blowing because everything is set up to actually, you know, teach you. So yeah, there is some high level things there, you know, there definitely are, but we also have literally, you know, we can come in and say, this is how you're going to email market. And then there may be another session here, are the newer advancements, and this is what this can do. So it's like real workshops and training and um, you get to listen to conversations and things to help fill in the gaps um, that help you. And one of the biggest things I'm proud of is that I actually have the money people there. So everybody always talks about, you know, the banks and lending and financing and all of that. I bring them in. So like the SBA comes, uh, the the actual, like I get vice presidents of and presidents of commercial lending to show up. We have hard money lenders that show up, investors that show up, and they're actually looking to help people get funding and financing for their businesses. So it's something that's very unique to accelerate. So you get to come and get strategy, you get to come and get strategic partnerships, and you actually can come and get funding. Um, and then we have a resources market there too. So if you need a web developer, there's a trusted source. If you need a virtual assistant, there's a trusted source. If you need your credit repair, whether it's business credit or personal credit, we have the best of the best that are there for that, right? There's trusted sources. So it's really unique um, in the fact that it's it's a resource bank, right? Basically for small business owners, it's a way to get funding and capital to expand. Um, and then we're there to educate you so that you don't mess up the funding that you get. Um, so yeah, right? <laughs> so, so, so it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's built on, you know, strategy. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm really tactical, right? So I'm really, I'm one of those people. I need you to tell me how you did it, what app you use, what software, how many times a day, what was in, you know, what was in the message? What what are we sending back over here? What's the repeat? You know, what's the follow-up? I'm one of those people. I like all of that type of stuff. And so I teach that way and other people, you know, there are other people like me who want all of that stuff too. It's, it's just one of those things. I know I'm not the only person that is into uh, actual strategy and steps and, you know, um, just wanting something tactical. And so it's designed for people who actually want the strategy and the results and they want to learn how to do it. So we'll actually be firing off like one of the workshops we'll have is how to create video content. And the reason it's important is because Google projects that in the next four years, 80% of all content online is going to be digital. And then there are several, I'm sorry, that will be in video will be in video format. And then there are these surveys and they show that anywhere from 80 to 87% of consumers prefer to consume content that is video based. So any small business owner or entrepreneur is going to have to learn how to create video content, right? And so you need to have the ability to create your own so that you can be consistent and putting something out there in the marketplace. Um, just even little things like that. So the workshop will actually show like whip out your phone, download this app, cut this here, import that, you know, tap into this gallery, like literally showing you how to do it step by step. Um, so it's, I'm really proud um, to have created something that is 
I'm really proud to have created something that is actually assisting people. And when people leave, they know what to do. Oh, wow. Yes, it sounds like it. I, I, I definitely will be there. <laughs> so, so tell people where they can find this information to get there and to show yeah. up. Um, if you go to www.accelerate180.com, um, and it's really funny because if you're flying in, the airport code for Little Rock, Arkansas is actually LIT. It's actually lit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Did you design that? <laughs> I wish I could take credit for that. <laughs> but yes, go to www.accelerate180.com. And if any of you guys connect with me on social media, I'm at King Ashlyn anywhere. And if you click the link in my bio, you'll see all these little buttons. I have all kinds of little buttons to register for Accelerate inside of the tree. So just find one. They're normally orange. And if you click on it, it'll take you over to the page. You can find out more information about the speakers, the presentations. You can uh, go ahead and register. And we got the hotel room block all the way down to $99 a night, which is great. Um, which is we'll be great. Yeah. yeah. So I'm really excited about that. That's a nice discount, $99 a night. That's not bad. And well, how many I had to pull out that event planner hat, girl, to pull that off. So. <laughs> <laughs> and how many nights, how many days? Uh, the conference is August 29th through the 31st. General session is August the 30th and the 31st. So that's two days. Um, and we'll wind everything up with an all-white rap party. So after you get all your training and all your networking and all your education, you'll be able to come out and party on the night of the 31st. Um, we'll start at 930 at night and roll to about two in the morning. We'll have some entertainment there, some comedy, a little bit of music. The DJ will be there. We'll have, um, we'll have the bars. So the libations will be flowing. And we'll also have, uh, you know, orders. We got to keep it cute. So you need, little, <laughs> you need a little snack. We'll have that too. So I'm very excited about that. Oh, I'm excited too. I got to get my white outfit ready for that one. <laughs> 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 so I have one more question to ask before we wrap this up if there was one question you would have people ask themselves on a daily basis what would that be oh does it have to be one can I get two can I have you, two you can get two <laughs> because it's you King Ashley Ann we're going to give you two you. so the first one what am I grateful for because a lot of times we can get stuck in, in, in the perception of looking at what's not right and what we didn't accomplish and what didn't happen. Um, and it's been, I feel I am a firm believer that gratitude has a lot to do with propelling you forward in your life and helping you stay in perspective, right? So things are balanced out and you don't slide into that, you know, into that hole um, that people get stuck in sometimes. The second question, what did I do today? to help me accomplish my goals. All right. That was be my two. Those are great questions. I hope you guys have really enjoyed this interview. Ashley, you have laid down some real beautiful gems and listen, a trail for them to follow. <laughs> if this is mm -hmm. not a guide, I don't know what it was, guys. You have to definitely take the time to listen to Miss Ashley Ann because you will really become very educated on what to do with your business, either now or to come. Ashley, oh, I like thank you so much. <laughs> oh, yes, girl, I love you to death. 
I'd like to thank you so much for being on my show. You have really laid the groundwork for a lot of people. So when they get to listen to this podcast, this will be one they will never forget. Oh, that means so much to me. You're so kind. I know you had so many excellent people on here and you're going to continue to have amazingly excellent people on here. And um, you are a superstar yourself. Um, I just admire you and what you've been able to build and what you're continuing to build. It's, it's incredible. So thank you so much for that. Oh, and back at you, girl. And I'll be seeing you soon. <laughs> All right. Big kiss to you. And you have a great night. I know it's getting a little late there. So I'm going to let you go. And we will talk soon. Thank you so much. All righty. I'll talk to you later. I hope you guys enjoyed King Ashley Ann. Now we need you to go over to Apple.podcast and rate, subscribe, and review this podcast. Don't forget, join us again next week for another special guest that will be dropping unbelievable gems for you to take on to the next phase of your life. Once again, thank you for joining the Jane Bond Show. From execution to excellence. We'll see you next week. <laughs>